I'm Agnes Kurtzels. I'm Whitney Winter. And my name is Claire Horning. You're listening to the Acknowledge Podcast. Welcome to the Acknowledge Podcast. So a little bit before it gets started, I'm just putting this in here as I'm editing, but this one will just be with Whitney and I. Claire, unfortunately, was sick when we recorded this. Uh, we recorded this a couple weeks ago with our FFA episode, and we decided to make it its own. Unfortunately, we didn't realize that it was National 4-H Month until the end of the month. But nevertheless, we made this podcast just talking about Winnie and I's experience in 4-H and what we did in our clubs, as well as some of the events that we did for 4-H. Claire will be back next week with us. It just happened that we were at spring break last week, so this podcast didn't get aired until this week. But with that, I'll let us get right back into the podcast. I was in 4-H for, I believe, six or seven years. Ooh, I don't know. I know I was in middle school. I think I was probably in seventh grade. Okay. We first got interested... We got a rabbit um, with the intention of showing it, and then we realized that was not an option <laughs> with that rabbit. <laughs> um, he just wasn't tame, like, at all, and, like, we brought him home and everything, and we were like, <laughs> I'm not showing him. Um, <laughs> but we did a lot of, like, the crafts. Like, mm-hmm. we, like yep. we didn't show livestock. The part. Yeah, we did the exhibits, and I made jams and salsa. Um, I did a lot of like crocheting stuff along with like home decor. I know you said that you uh, showed alpacas, right? Yep. Uh, we actually started out with dairy goats uh, showing with that when our 4-H leaders, uh, Susie and Butch actually got us started in that. And then we did that for several years. And then we got into showing rabbits, which we, we usually focused on our Flemish giants, which are by their name. Uh, a giant breed of rabbit. And then we also showed like some mini Rexes and Holland Lops. And a- See, I had a mini Holland Lop and yeah. I'm pretty sure it was not a mini Holland Lop. <laughs> like it had it had like the loppy ears, but mm-hmm. they weren't like long. Really? Yeah. It was probably a crossbred then. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I'm like, Because mm. <laughs> I know there was one time there were a couple people that had brought some to the show and they're like, okay, it's this. And then we're like, um, no, pretty that, sure that's it's not. <laughs> that's not right. And we would bring out like the official book and be like, okay, this is what the breed is, and this is the variations they can be. Your rabbit is not any of that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. But a funny story: we had a rabbit that had been showed. I don't for for several years. I don't know how many it was under the male category as a buck. I think it was two years ago, it had transitioned, and it was now a female. Like, it was never a buck? No, it was. Or it, it was a buck. And just over the years, I, and I'm pretty sure it was two years ago. It happens. It's rare, but it happens. It's ra- I know, and it's just, everyone is astonished at the show. I mean, that's crazy. And the judge was like, yeah, this isn't a buck. Yeah. And they would, the people that were showing it were like, We've been showing it as a buck for like six years or whatever. And it's like, we know 100% it was because, you know, we checked and whatnot. And for sure that year, it just was like, "Ah, I'm a female now, (laughs) which was just crazy. And then there were people that would like show one with like a missing toe or a toenail and they'd be docked. And they're like, (laughs) "Ah." you want another funny story? So um, there's a family from Corridge and uh, the mom used to be my 
uh, she was my first grade teacher and then she was my fifth grade science teacher. Okay. <laughs> and her kids started showing rabbits and they bathed them in baby oil. What? <laughs> because, like, that's what they thought they were supposed to do. I don't know who told them that. <laughs> but so, like, the judge was like, don't, don't do this. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> like, yeah, they were, they was like, just laugh hearing about it because, like, you, you doused your rabbit in baby oil? <laughs> but, oh. Imagine if it wasn't the tamest, you know, rabbit and you doused it in baby oil and it got out. You would never catch that thing. Oh, my god, It's gone. But after we got with rabbits, we started doing chickens. And after chickens, we got into the white palm turkeys, which I, I know I've talked about before. And so we showed them under poultry. And then one of our other 4-H clubs that we were a part of, um, the leader was a co-worker of my mom's for a bit. And so she introduced us into the llama, llama and alpaca scene. And so we adopted, th- well, not adopted, we rescued our first ones from a sanctuary that had been shut down and the le- animals were just left there. The owners had just fled and mm. left all their livestock. So they were they were very not malnourished and they were abused. So getting into the llama and alpaca field wasn't very easy. Uh, with that kind of aspect, but we kept those. I know we still have one of the originals llamas still today. Um, mine passed away sadly two years ago. Uh, she had fractured her leg, and we weren't able to help her. But then we got into alpacas, and those were a little bit easier because when we first started with llamas. We were very young, so we were very short, and just trying to lead around a, like, 500-pound animal who has trauma and... And two feet on you. Yeah. three feet on you. Probably three feet. Just trying to show them around wasn't the easiest. And so when we got into the alpaca... um, Field. It was a little bit easier. I know this is very stereotypical, but... Apacas just seem have a calmer nature to them and a bit nicer personalities than some llamas that we've met, but it's very true. And so getting into that was an easier transition to do that for a long run. We did alpacas, I think we started in like 2011, so I would have been 11 years old. So I showed them for nearly a decade. Wow. And... Showing them at, um, from, like, local level up to national level, which is fun and exhilarating. And it, you learn, even as, I know some of the competition we did was in their upper ages of, like, 50, 60, even 70, as, like, the adult, um, category. And they were learning, you know, right along with us. But other than that, we didn't do any other livestock we raised um, bottle calves but we never showed those but we were also very into the exhibit part like you guys were we did canning of jam and other stuff we were high into quilting with both of our sets of grandparents they helped us out with that but we were also into um, pies. I know we've won awards for our pies. And then taxidermy, of course. 
I think I've talked about this before, but um, we've gone to state with our taxidermy and there isn't a huge demand at the state level in Nebraska for taxidermy. So I know one year there was, it wasn't very many exhibits for the taxidermy division. So I know all three of us had gone to state because we were the only ones at our district level or I mean county level. So of course we had, you know, the best of the best. And I think we were like three out of 10 exhibits in the entire state that year. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, 33% is from the Winter family. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I was really proud of my, like, crocheting that yeah. I did. I was the only one uh, because I'm an old lady at heart. Um, <laughs> no. Um, there weren't many people in, um, like, our club. Like, our, okay. I was in the four, uh, Pearl Creek 4-H club, which is basically Courage. That's basically all of our members because Laurel has, I believe, two or three um, split between them and Dixon County or not Dixon County. But in that area, like some people are able to go across counties mm-hmm. instead of like just sticking in Cedar County. Um, but there was only three of us that were my age counting me. Yeah. Uh, so there wasn't many in Pearl Creek um, that knew how to crochet. Yeah. Um, and then across like Cedar County... There weren't very many people that were interested in um, needle art, which is what it's considered. But there was quite a few, like, sewing-wise, because, like, we would have the fashion... um, Fashion review. Fashion Mm -hmm. review. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. And, like, I did mostly, like, baby blankets, because uh, my attention span for blankets is very limited. Uh, (laughs) And, like, a couple of them, I made it so that I can continue to build on them, Mm -hmm. just because, again, it's crocheting. But every time I entered one, it went to state. So I was really happy with that. And then um, even my jams, you can do, like, you have your single jar exhibit and then you have your three jar exhibit. Um, I think it's that's the same for, like, tomato products and vegetables. But I would only enter into the jelly to fruit exhibits with the three jars. And they would go to state as well. And I've I've got a couple purple ribbons from state, so I was really happy with that. I also did vet science posters, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people did that either at State Fair. I think I was one of, like, ten. Wow. <laughs> like, it, it's not a very popular one to do. For a vet poster, for some reason, it's pretty strict on, like, requirements, which is crazy because you're like it's just a poster but there's a lot of requirements that you have to follow for it we usually did cookies like i say we i mean my brother and i for context uh we did cookies and he did like coffee cake and i did biscuits like cast iron biscuits Mm -hmm. he did woodworking as well and welding for a couple years and then he would enter alfalfa crop because you Mm -hmm. can do like the agronomy based thing which he, he's interested in agronomy. So he submitted our red clover and alfalfa. I'm trying to think about like what else I did. Like a lot of it was just like home decor besides like the food. Oh, we did photography. Mm-hmm. Did okay with that. Just okay. Yeah. Um, that's a very hard thing to get right, especially in 4-H because they are very picky with that, mm-hmm. especially at state level. And most of like the... F- like at Cedar County anyway, I don't know how it was like with Sutton, but photography was a lot of like the 
categories weren't state fair eligible? There was a lot for Clay County. There wasn't, I think there was probably a handful that were county only. Yeah. And I know, of course, we did a lot of those. And so ours didn't go to state fair. But we had actually a wide variety of categories for our photography division. But a lot of them were people that had professional cameras, so DSLRs and people who had been doing it for years. And at that point in time, I hadn't bought my own camera. And so they weren't as good as, you know, my photography now with nearly a decade under my belt. I did have one photo that I was so proud of. Um, It went to state and then it actually got recognized and shown in one of the UNL buildings. Okay. And it was like, I think there was only 15 photos chosen. Wow. To like be in this building for viewing for a full year and because of covid it stayed up for two years (laughs) and like i finally got it back this summer mom's like hey you got a photo back and i'm like what are you talking about like i completely forgot about it but yeah i was like i'm super proud of it it's a very plain photo but it's a nice photo um i'll show whitney and it's a photo of a photo so don't make fun of me it was Oh, that's like the very pretty. Theme, the theme was Nebraska life, I think. And oh, then yeah. You had mm. to write a little blurb about what the photo meant to you and how it represented Nebraska life. And maybe I'll send it to you and then you can put it on mm-hmm. Instagram and then other people can see it. But basically, I just took a picture of brome grass with hay bales in the background with a hay field. And, it, and I think I said something like, it's the epitome of Nebraska, right? Mm-hmm. You have this um, green grass over you know, uh, with agriculture in general. And I, cause I knew a lot of people were going to do corn cause we're the corn husker state, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I was just messing around with the camera one day and I took it and I'm like, that fits that cor- category. Usually we only took photos like on our phone, but mm-hmm. that time I took it with, um, my mom's, uh, not, is it a DSLR? DSLR. Is yeah. it a DSLR? You've seen the camera. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. I know we also did a bunch of other decor stuff. I think even one year, one of us did a poster, but I was really into woodworking. So I think I've shown this to Agnes and Claire before, but it was a coffee table. It was walnut with live edges, and I did a resin river in the middle, and that resin actually glows in the dark. And so I submitted that. And I think I got, I probably got purple and it went to state and whatnot. But for our taxidermy, my, uh, it was a coyote scene with pheasants and barbed wire fencing and then grass for some little environment decor in it. Uh, it went to state, but at our county level, I actually got a plaque for conservation. Cool. Um, I think it was, I want to say... Yeah, I don't know. But I was very proud to, you know, be a part of conservation ship and being able to show that to my county and state that this is a hobby. And at that point, I was thinking of it being a professional career and just being able to do that and show everyone what I was passionate about through this medium. And even one year, my older sister, Caitlin, she had put into the taxidermy exhibit was her life-size black bear, which was standing up and kind of like crouching over like an attack position. (laughs) Very scary. Mouth open, whatnot. And uh, of course, I went to state. And so the officials were like, 
um, can we put this on the scavenger hunt? And we're like, of course. And so uh, if for the people that don't know, the Nebraska State Fair has a scavenger hunt every year. And there's at least one thing in each building. So people go to all the buildings throughout the fair on the grounds. And her taxidermy was one of those points. So yeah. people had to go find the exhibit, take a photo of it, and then post it for, you know, their points or whatnot for the scavenger hunt so that they would get credit for it that's cool i i've been to the state fair i think two or three times and the one time i went was during covid Mm -hmm. and so it was like so sad going into these 4-h buildings and seeing them empty basically because counties were only allowed to like bring like an x amount Mm -hmm. per category like two per category which was already a limited like thing but then even like further yet, it was like food. All you're like allowed to bring is, I believe, the recipe and then like one or two things instead of, you know, the people bringing product and the yeah. Yeah, big product. And even like the bigger things, like a lot of the woodworking and stuff didn't even get to go mm-hmm. to state, which was a bummer for a lot of people. But yeah. at least they got the knowledge of it could go to state because like you still at county fair got the sticker saying state yep. fair. Yep. I think Lizzie, my younger sister, had a pie go to state for and during COVID. She had multiple pies go to state, but I think it was during COVID. So she couldn't even, you know, bake that pie in August and be like, hey, this is what I produced yeah. And it was always hard when pies went to state or, you know, any baked goods because you had to recreate that. And some of the recipes that we were trying for like our county fairs were something we hadn't made before because we were like, ah, oh, this is kind of getting repetitive and whatnot for the categories. And so, you know, you have found that one recipe, you tried it, you perfected it, you know, that one time right before fair because deadline was due like 6 p.m. that night. Yeah. And you're just like running in with that hot pan like, I'm here. I'm here. I have it. Yeah. We have. Oh, so many. That was like all of 4-H, isn't it? Doing last minute projects. Uh-huh. Um, we were pretty bad about that. We as well. were too. Um, I know. <laughs> I forgot to set aside one of the jams I was going to do, so I had to make it that day. Oh, and no. <laughs> like, usually jam sets pretty fast, uh-huh. especially if, um, the way I make it. <laughs> so we were just like, please, please stay, like, settle, like, do everything, set, and then <laughs> hoping that, like, the jar didn't crack or something on the way there. Yeah. Because, oh, that was stressful. And then baking was awful. It was because we would we would start baking three days in advance because we made so much. Yeah. Because that was if we weren't doing livestock, it was baking. That was what we were very into. And so um, I know some of the cookies we even had to throw in the freezer because we were like, okay, we need to get some things out of the way at the beginning of the week. And then, you know, the bread would be the last thing because that's something that needs to be fresh. And then the late night runs because you run out of eggs or something. Ours was always flour and sugar. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you have chicken, so you probably had farm fresh eggs Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. We would usually run out of um, milk and eggs. Because we usually always had a stock of flour and sugar uh-huh. because I was canning throughout the summer. Yeah. So we would always have plenty of that. But yeah. That or baking soda. See, our problem? Well, Michael's problem. <laughs> our, for some reason, we usually like get the box baking, baking soda yep. and then you have baking powder in yep. like the little round jar. Yep. Well, somehow we bought 
baking soda that was in a similar container. And so Michael like switched them. Oh, no. <laughs> so he was like making coffee cake and then it kept going flat. And I'm like, what yeah. are you like? Like, what, what are, are you doing, doing? wrong? <laughs> like, it's coffee cake. Um, and so like I helped him and I'm like, here's your pro like holding up the jar of like baking soda, whatever one it was. I'm like, you're using the wrong one. He was mm-hmm. like, Why is it in the same container? And I'm like, well, they're different colors, first of all. Uh <laughs> Second of all, I don't know. I didn't buy them. <laughs> like, but yeah. So that was like a late night, 12 a.m. baking nightmare. Yeah. Ours was also pies because we would make two to three pies per person. And there's three of us. So, you know, eight or nine pies were going to fare. And then we'd always make extra for home so that we could snack. You know, we had something. We would eat it for breakfast normally because that's the kind of household we were. <laughs> you know, it had fruit in it. If it was a fruit pie. <laughs> See, another, we would, um, like our photography ha- would be judged like a week, not even a week, like almost a month before fair. Oh, really? Yeah. And like, so would the needlework stuff. So it was like a pre-fair day, if mm-hmm. you will. And this took like, it's the same week during fashion week. Yeah. For fair. <laughs> and so... For photos, you would have to get them printed off, and sometimes we would forget. Mm-hmm. And the closest one is in town, but that one takes a while because everyone's printing there. Like, not just 4-Hers, everyone in town. So the next closest one is Yankton, which is about 30 minutes away. <laughs> so it was, like, getting it printed off at the right time so that you could get it sandwiched properly and mm-hmm. then get it to fair or get it to the judge so that you can... Usually you can explain yourself, mm-hmm. like, here's why I took it, here's what I used... Here was the focus of it kind of thing. And so, yeah, that was always like a rush week too. See, our photography was at the same time when you get put in your other exhibits. But um, when we explained our photos, you could sign up and be like, I want to talk to the judge this time during that one day um, before they were judged. Judged. Yes. I was going to (laughs) say awarded, but I'm like, nope, you have to judge it first. (laughs) And so then you would talk about that then that day of, but we have such poor timing for printing off because we're like, we'll put it That's aside. That's like the last thing. That's yeah. the last thing to and worry about. And it's like, it shouldn't, it should have been the first thing because yeah. it takes a while to get stuff printed because either mom had to go to Walgreens and like print it off during her lunch hour during the week, or we make a special trip either 30 minutes either way from home to go print it off somewhere. And then trying to find the mats that would fit it because... Those are always hard to find. Yeah. Of course. And I'm like, it's a week of fair. You would think they would have ordered extra so they would have a surplus because they know people need them. Right. But no one ever did. So there was like, you would go to three different places to try and find these mats. Or you would go into your 4-H club's like uh, Facebook page and be like, does anyone have extra sandwich (laughs) packing? Yeah. Yeah. And trying to figure out what color of mat you want to go with your photo, because that could make or break your photo for our county. See, you only could do black with really. The, you could do white, but it was very like not popular. See, ours was like I know we've used like a really dark green, like a forest green, black, um, cream, and white. Those are like the four ones that we've ever used. I don't think. Anyone, like, diverted from those. But I know I had something with nature, so I chose that green one. But, like, uh, all the other ones were those 
black cream and white yeah we only ever did black and i think i had one that was white and it it was fine with the photo okay. but it's just it was like stand, it stood out which is yeah. fine like you want your photography <laughs> to stand out but at the same time like it was very like uniform everyone used black uh-huh okay well our county should follow that because then it would have been easier because i know there was one year i could have gone to state but i chose some color for my matting and they're like uh this doesn't really go so we're gonna dock you and it was like a couple points below state level or something like that yeah that's rough it was i'm not salty at all (laughs) (laughs) i don't blame you because i there was another photo that i really liked and like it got a purple and everything but they were like "Mm, we just we just didn't want to send it to state i'm like what Okay, thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for the ribbon, I guess. <laughs> uh, talking about ribbons, do you did you ever keep yours? I have all of mine in a box. Yep. Yours with is in a all box? of my papers for like what it was from uh-huh. along with it was like a recipe, the recipe is with it. And if the like if it was a crochet blanket, the blanket instructions are with it. Oh, see, we weren't that organized. I usually tore off the papers and I'd write it on the back. But mine are all in like a tote kind of thing. And so some of them are like crumpled. Oh, yeah. No, most of my ribbons are crumpled as well. <laughs> but I, I got that far into organization that I didn't go farther. <laughs> I think I have them all in one place now. I cleaned my room a couple years back and I was like organizing what a, and whatnot. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put this all in one place. You know, I have a plan for it. What? And I was like, okay, I can make a quilt because I've seen them on like Pinterest yeah. where they'll take the normal county ribbons, the you know, the straight ones are either purple, blue, red, white. white. Um, if you were like a clover kid, the clover kid colors are rainbow. But we didn't do clover kids because we were just we weren't into 4-H at that age. We yeah. got into it a little bit later. But I was like, okay, I can make a quilt because then I can also use like the rosettes um, as like flowers. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I could do that. And now looking back, I'm like, that would be so ugly and so uncomfortable to sleep with. Yeah. Yeah. I've because they're like kind of silky like, canvas. Because I'm like, they're so oh, pretty. and like For sure. They're, they're going to stay in that box. Right. <laughs> but like, they're going to stay in the box in the closet. <laughs> they're not going to be used, you know, maybe when I'm 50 and I'm like, oh, hey, look at what I did when I was right. younger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or the three foot ones from National uh, Llama and Opacas. They were really tall. I know when I got them, they were almost as tall as me. And so we had pinned them on our shirt when we were taking a photo. And it would like go down to our shoes. Wow. Because they were just huge. Yeah. But that was the thing because it was Nationals. But then I think later on they got into plaques and like... um, See, I like plaques more because those you can just hang right up. Yeah. Because like it has all the information Mm -hmm. already and yeah. It was like division went out. And- See, for our county also did like the county like top exhibits and stuff, Okay, right? yeah. So I think I got one for my jams. I got one for my crochet. And then I think for photography, like for that photo. Uh-huh. And like it, like we actually got like, oh, like a, what is it called? Wow. An award, like not a plaque, but an actual award. And it like has on a piece of paper? No, or like a st- certificate? No, like a statue thing. Oh, a trophy. A trophy. Okay. Thanks. Wow. That was difficult, <laughs> Agnes. Wow. A trophy. So I have like three of those and they're uh-huh. just sitting in my closet because I'm like, you're just taking up space. You could have been a piece of paper. But like at the time, I'm like, I got three trophies today, you know? Uh Uh-huh. We got trophies and medals for our rabbits 
and but like in the exhibits they were ribbons but i know i have like one for best of show of cat i have for rabbits and poultry and then for like our we were part of three clubs so one was shamrock shepherds for our goats exhibits and like what we did most of and rabbits in clay county and then we were part of the camel camelids kids for our llamas but we were also part of polk county to show our llamas because clay county didn't do a llama and alpaca show so we had a show in a different county mm. and that was okay because i wasn't showing in two different counties yeah you can only present something in one county yeah. per year. And so we were showing in Polk County and they kind of got rid of their trophies and um, plaques and medals. And they were handing out for Grand and Reserve Champions hoodies. And so it would have, you know, huh. Polk County yeah. Reserve Grand Champion. And then I know they did like green and gray and whatnot. And it was different each year. And I thought that was just an ingenious idea because kids are going to want to show that. You can you can wear a sweatshirt, be like grand champion at school, but like you're not going to carry around your trophy Yeah, to show off that you were the best of your best. Yeah, I, th- I think that's nice, but I think I would also still want like a certificate or something. Well, I think they still did like certificates and okay, like yeah. that. But that makes sense though. Instead of a trophy or a medal, like a trophy for grand champion and medal for reserve, they would get you, they would purchase a hoodie that, that was customized. Nice. Um, I know for like round robin, which for people that don't know what round robin is, people that had like one and other, like say they won for showing sheep, all of these winners, it would be two for each livestock animal mm-hmm. and they would basically rotate and show all the other other animals and be judged on it as well as being asked questions about the animals about the breed mm-hmm. um so basically you're expected to know about the breeds in the very minimum and know how to show these other breeds usually it was um sheep goat um if there were goats that year which Goats have been very popular recently, so they've been showing those um, swine, cattle, hogs. Um, hog, well, mm-hmm. swine, but they would have like beef and then they would have dairy and then they had horses. But for that, if you won round robin, you would get a trophy and then usually it was like a chair that okay. was like embroidered or screen printed or whatever that said like round robin champion or something. I think ours got into those shell jackets and it would uh, be embroidered on the back. And I know... Another county did that for their sheep because I saw it on one of the people in high school. And so that was just like a grand champion. They got a shell jacket embroidered on the back with like the meat goat it was and then grand champion in their county that they're showing in. That's cool though. Yeah. I always wanted one. But our county didn't. They wanted, you know. The award. The, the award. See, if I were to show, it would obviously be goats. Um, and meat I goat did... or dairy goat? Meat. Uh, we didn't have dairy goats. Dairy goats is so much harder than meat goats, though, because they have to have an udder. They mm-hmm. have to be like shaved a specific yep. way. They have so much. <laughs> um, and there was a goat that I was going to show, uh, and then they made it so you couldn't show bucks. Mm-hmm. And he was a buck. Yeah. And he was such a beautiful Billy. And I was so sad when I was like, I couldn't go show him. Yeah, we started in dairy goats, and we really focused on the La Mancha brand breed which for people who don't know are the ones quote unquote with no ears they're just like little stubs they're called elf ears yeah they're so cute they're the best breed no one can convince me otherwise 
wrong, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You're entitled to your own opinion, Agnes. (laughs) For a dairy breed? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Best dairy breed out there. But I started out with, I know her name was Dallas, and that was like my very first that I got a show. And throughout the years, we she had kids, and I would show her kids, and the kids would have kids, and so on. And I was so sad the one day my advisors, who who had the goats on their farm, they're like, Dallas died. And I'm just like, what? My childhood? <laughs> the beginning of my 4-H career is gone? Like, tears just started <laughs> falling. I'm just like, no. And I know one of her kids was, oh, I think it was like two or three years after I had started showing her, uh, she had that kid and I showed her for a really long time. But we went to state with her and her lineage. And then we kind of got out of the dairy goat scene and went to Lamanas Alpacas. But I will always credit my love for 4-H with that goat because she made me fall in love with livestock judging and with the livestock judging in 4-H, I got into livestock. Okay, let me restart that. With livestock showing in 4-H, I got into livestock judging in FFA, which then led me to my career path with agriculture communications at Wayne. And so really starting out at a young age, learning about how this animal should be shown and like having those, you know, blistering 110 degree days, shaving goats hours on end (laughs) from dawn to dusk. And, you know, just at the end of the day, you're sweaty and there's goat hair everywhere. And you're just like, I itch so much because for those people who don't know what goat hair feels like, so scratchy and fine. It's very coarse. It it's like yeah. dog hair, but a bit rougher. Yeah, and it just it sticks to you, especially if you sweat. Especially if you sweat, then it's you're never getting rid of it. And you always wore pants because you're like, I don't need my shins, you know, scraped up. Because we would also do uh, hoof cuttings at the same time we were shearing them because we had them in on the stand already. So might as you know, well do might full, as well full detail. And so just like peeling off your clothes at the end of the day and like still being itchy after one shower you'd have to take another shower just to like okay i feel a little bit better yeah i've never had to like uh shave a goat yeah for that when i was growing up we had a couple angoras now they're crossed enough that they lose their mohair Mm -hmm. by themselves for the most part sometimes we'll still help but just even that hair like it's like you would think it would be really soft and stuff but uh, the especially when it was a cross with a boar uh, Mm, yeah they would have Usually it was still like long hair, but uh, there would be spots where it's mixed, where it's that coarse boar goat hair, and so it's itchy. Yeah, and when we sheared um, the fiber off our llamas and alpacas, it was usually at the end of May, right before the heat of the summer would start, and you only shaved them once a year. But just finding that hair in places it shouldn't be is itchy, and like it's soft with our alpacas, Especially with my Siri Shiloh, she's super soft, and um, since she's a Siri, she has curly hair, and she's got a crimp to it in some places where it's not fully curly. But like the llamas, they have coarser hair, mm-hmm. so it's not as coarse as like dairy goats, but still along the lines for context. And that was always a pain to clean up 
because you did the first cutting and you would save that. And that's what's usually sent to the mill to be processed. And then even if you were good enough, sheer second cutting would be still, you know, useful. And then just cleaning up your edges with third and fourth cuts. And you would just discard that because it isn't something you would keep for the mill because it's usually around their... Too short. Yeah, it's around their ankles, um, face, if you cleaned up their face. Some people didn't. And it just depends on the type of cut. A lot of people just did a barrel cut for show because <laughs> you still want to have that long fiber to show what they would look like with a full coat. And um, I don't know where I was going with that story. <laughs> But uh, we would send the fiber off and then we would get it back at spun. So then we could sell that at like craft shows. I know we took them to the state fair. A lot of people go through. We were in the swine barn. So it was the first week. So the goats got the front half of the barn and then llamas and alpacas got the back half. And so when people walk through, they would be um, seeing the animals and then we could be like, this is the product that this animal you just, you know, saw. This is their product. You know, would you care to buy it? And um, for the people that don't know, it, they're hypoallergenic. So a lot of people that wanted like a soft scarf, homemade, whatnot, could use that fiber. It's not necessarily hypoallergenic. It's that it doesn't have lanolin like wool does. Yeah. So if you're allergic to wool, you can still use alpaca fur. Mm-hmm. But if you're allergic to hair... Yeah. And, like, if you're allergic to alpacas, obviously it's, like, you can be allergic to alpacas. (laughs) But we just, we call it hypoallergenic just for the people that are looking for something like that. Right. Without the linen. Because, like, obviously it is. Yeah. To, like, that extent. Because if someone's looking for yarn and they're like, well, if it's wool, like, I can't Mm -hmm. touch it. It's like, no, you can't. It's, like, hypoallergenic for that. Yep. Yeah. Because my mom is allergic to... Um, wool. So, a lot of like the some of the stuff that she buys, um, like sock wise or whatever, yeah. like she has to make sure that it's not wool. And like she found some that were made by um, mohair and by fiber, mm-hmm. llama llama and alpaca fiber that she can wear. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And a lot of people they would make like scarves. Socks were a big thing, but also hats. I know I sent some of my fiber to my aunt that we had spun it was from rosie my llama that i first rescued and she made a scooby-doo hat for me that so it has like his face he has the floppy ears and it had the nose and it had like the medallion (laughs) and whatnot and i like went over my ears and then i had like tassels coming off to the side and so I have that. It's very soft and it keeps me very warm, even though it's like crocheted. So it's not, um, it's kind of holy. Very soft, very warm and hypoallergenic for the extent of wool. We, um, we've only sheared a couple of llamas. Usually we let them be because they're not tame and uh, they have sharper claws than I have. Hooves. Or hooves, sorry. Yeah. They're basically talons, <laughs> if we're being honest. But, um... The ones that we have sheared, uh, the hair is really thick and really dense. Mm-hmm. It's a lot denser than you would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, we usually don't shear our llamas, or we only have one llama now. Um, and because we did similar to you, we had rescued them from the state, actually. And they were from an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. They were malnourished. They were, you name it, they were it. Um, 
And so that's how we got into llamas. There was, we think it was a mix because it wasn't an alpaca, but it was not a llama. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of think, we kind of assume it was a mix. They eventually all like passed away from old age. One of them had gotten injured from the tornado, so she had to be put down. And then the other one was in the tornado, got pneumonia, but she survived that. But she was just super old. Like, Mm -hmm. you can tell when they're super old. Yeah. And Um, they have a lifespan of about 20 to 25 years. Yeah. And so I think our rescues, Rosie was probably up towards that age. But the one we still have, he was a little bit younger, we think, when we first got them. The three that we originally rescued. So he might be nearing his last couple years with us. But we have some younger ones. Um, We actually had, so Lost Boy and Rosie, which were two of the three that we originally rescued. We bred them and our one and only live Korea, which is a baby llama, born on our farm. Um, His name's Wesley. And he is, I want to say, going on seven this year. I think he was born March 1st, 2015, if I remember correctly. I'm kind of a bad mother. I don't remember birthdays that well. But uh, he is our youngest one. Uh, our alpacas are a couple years older, varying in age, because we didn't, of course, get them as uh, Kriya. We usually try to, if we're going to expand our herd, we tried to get them when they're about two or three years old, just so they know um, a lot of the simple, basic understandings of what show means. So I think that's going to wrap up this week's podcast. Tune in next Thursday at 3 for more Acknowledge. Next week, Claire will be back with us and we'll be talking about current events happening in Nebraska and around the world. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Acknowledge. This podcast was created by Agnes Kurtzels, Claire Horning, and Whitney Winter as part of Radio Production Workshop at Wayne State College. Listen to KWSC 91.9 The Cat on the TuneIn app. Previous episodes can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released on Fridays to these and other platforms. Music is Surf Day by Marcos H. Blanos, found on freemusicarchives.org. The song was edited for the use of this podcast.